I really enjoyed this conversation with John Buckley. John's a, a good friend of mine. He's a practicing real estate agent from Queanbeyan and Canberra and that little pocket of the world around our nation's capital. Um, he's a practicing real estate agent, has been for over 20 years and over recent times he's weathered bushfires and now uh, the coronavirus. And so I talked to him about how he's uh, restructured his business, how he's enjoying working from home, and how he's carrying on the business of a real estate agent during the coronavirus. There's stacks in this. I hope you enjoy it. Um, I certainly did. So without further ado, I give you John Buckley. Welcome to the Property Pulse podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stockbridge. Thanks for joining us again, John Buckley. G'day, Dave. How are you today? I'm going great, mate. And, and how are you dealing with the crisis thus far? Ah, uh, well, no doubt we're all in a state of change. I'm not going to lie. I've got uh, I've, I've got some level of concern about uh, you know personal health and safety, uh, yeah. and uh, that for my staff and for our in, our. Uh, our uh, customers and clients, of course, yeah. uh, but but overall, I think uh, we're in for a period of change, and change is not always a bad thing. Hmm. And what are, what are some of those changes that you've uh, had to make or decided to make in, in preparation for all of this, or in well, dealing with uh, it all? Yeah, we we were we were a touch lucky in that um, uh, we started a lot of change over the last two years. So uh, mm-hmm. we started moving from desktop versions and server versions of, uh, of software, which some people may not realise, but within the real estate industry, some of the software accounting uh, um, or software for accounting required to be on a server. So mm-hmm. um, we, we made those changes over the last couple of years, as a lot of people have, have done. Yeah. And uh, obviously that's given us a level of flexibility that we've certainly never never enjoyed in real estate uh, for a long period of time. Oh, um, actually, I was just mm-hmm. musing, how would have this played out in 1997? Yeah, well, 1997, I, I think it would have been good for me personally. Like at that time, so '97 we ran purely off uh, three by five cards, business cards. Yeah. Uh, barely used the computer, but did use the phone a lot. Um, so we did. We were really good at qualifying in '97, '96, '95 because uh, we saw a really smashed market here in Canberra. So you got in the habit. We had a lot of stock, but we didn't have a lot of buyers. Mm. Uh, and you'd think in that sort of circumstance, you'd be running every possible person who said, "I want to buy a house." Uh, but realistically, what we did was uh, we had a lot. Of conversations with people and we'd qualify them and get them into a position we'd send them off to meet the local bank manager yeah. uh, and the bank manager would ring me up and say okay John these people are ready to be able to buy take them out and uh, uh, so we, we saw we had really great results of fewer people uh, yeah. back in those days and I think the industry then evolved to a uh, to a period of, um, uh, of simply you know, more traffic and more people through doors mm. uh, and, th- and that's somehow become a measure of success uh, and um, so, yeah, personally, um, this, this is not unfamiliar territory. And uh, so even in those days, we, we did a fair bit of selling investment properties where people didn't physically go through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're just selling on numbers. The, yeah. uh, and, you know, I think we'll, we'll see a fair bit of that coming up. Mm, yeah, it, it was interesting. You know, as soon as I heard, you know, no more auctions, no, no more opens, I thought, whew. 
you know, that, that's good for a lot of those uh, old Gemini agents. Um, yes. you know, they can dust off the, those skills. And for those that don't know about Gemini, it was a, a no auctions, no, uh, no opens formula for sale. And, and pretty much as you were describing there, you know, they're just really qualifying buyers a lot, making sure you're dealing with the, the best buyers that were out there and then mm. showing them everything that you've got in price order. And um, hopefully at the end of the day, they pick the, the last one you show them. Yeah, and educating uh, your sellers that uh, if I'm bringing people through, I'm bringing a buyer through. I'm not bringing people through just to uh, wear out your front carpet. Yeah. And uh, and ironically, isn't that the situation we're in today? Yeah. So, uh, well, what's in, what's interesting is it's really levelled the playing field, hasn't it? Because now you know we're not talking about strategy at the listing presentation as much because we're all locked into a very similar strategy um, yeah. in terms of viewing times and and how that plays out. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting how agents get creative in their listing presentations now. Oh, absolutely. And I think when, when you sort of hark back, what would this be like in 97? I think it would have been harder in 2007 or 2008 mm. when we'd really started to get addicted to uh, using the CRM technology, but it was purely based, you, you know, you still had to go back to the office every day. Yeah. Um, you, you're still reliant on um, being at a desktop. Uh, and even though you can take those desktops home, you know, they don't work very well in the car. Mm. Um, so, uh, whereas now we, we've, you know, we've got our CRMs in our pocket. We can, we can, we can do a lot more mm. and, uh, but, you know, we've got to adapt uh, and adapt again very quickly. But mm. uh, that's, that's generally something, people who are in real estate, uh, as a rule, tend to be optimistic. Mm, so, yep. so uh, more so than pessimistic, tend to be optimistic. We all have our moments of sadness, of course, but yep. but we do tend to, to look for how, what's the bright part of this. Uh, I do think a lot of people have come into the industry maybe uh, because of the glitz and glamour concept, mm-hmm. uh, and once again, we'll we'll see a, a fair shift in that part of the uh, the employment process. I was just looking up, Dave. One point seven percent of Australians in employment are in real estate, so uh, wow. uh, it's a big employer, and it's dropped by 04 percent over the last three to four years. Mm. And uh, it'll be interesting if we're uh, having this chat in a year's time as to uh, as to what those numbers look like then. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, in South Australia, we're already at record low transactional levels. When I say yes. well, the lowest in history, but um, they've, they've only got history books that go back 17 years. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> but, but still, you know, we've had a GFC, we've had a, you know, it's a, it hasn't all been um, the best period and yet record lows and about 20% off the boil. So, you know, the, the market was already you know, teetering, um, it, would, it would feel. And um, so talk me through. So you're... You're now working from home, is that right? Yeah, we went into uh, quarantine ourselves as such. Not quarantine is not the right word for it, but self-isolation, definitely. Yeah, we closed the office last Friday with the... uh, a picture on the door of some washing the hands and said, look, we're trying to look after the people around us. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and we think you should do the same. So Good. wherever possible, you know, we're encouraging people to, uh, yeah, stay away. Yeah. Um, and uh, so basically we've, we've sort of moved into the office, of one, in, into the home. I'm in the bunker, um, which is my, my downstairs uh, garage area. <laughs> Carolyn's upstairs doing the property management and uh, the kids are all doing their homework. Uh, it's, it's funny watching the kids kids uh, doing their schoolwork together uh, via, uh, they're using Snapchat. Snapchat. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, I, I walk into the room and there's now five kids doing homework in my in my room, so to speak. Yeah. Um, 
and they're all they're, and uh, you know they've they've got into doing exercise routines together in the morning. Yeah. Um, so the kids are adapting very very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. They they just tend to like a, a, a some kind of regime and discipline. They, they once they've got that, they tend to cope really well. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, uh, so when you're when you kind of packed up and and prepared to move into the bunker, what what did you grab from the office? What what did you feel was necessary for you to continue to keep operating your business? Well, look, what did you grab? I, what went into the no, boot of the car? The laptop went first. Um, uh, and I, I work off a number of laptops. I, I've stopped using a desktop uh, a little while ago, so number of lap, uh, lop, uh, laptops, yeah. um, uh, our key box and everything like that. So mm-hmm. we, we've now got our keys secured in, uh, locked up at home, yeah. uh, rather than uh, rather than the office. And and we've got our tradies coming and picking up keys via the letterbox. So mm-hmm. you know the, the, that that sort of concept has has really worked well very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know we've we got a nice tight regime on that, uh, all under lock and key, and and no no addresses on anything. So so it keeps it all safe. Um, and of course our three D scanner. So we're, we're lucky that for the past three years we've been using uh, the Matterport three D scanning. I oh, see yeah. there's a mad mad scramble on to uh, to buy those as quick as possible. But um, as you'd know, Dave, when you start with that sort of stuff, it does take a little while to learn. So yeah. uh, uh, it's it's not quite just out of the box and suddenly you're a superstar setting up three uh, uh, D tours. There's, there are a few tricks and traps in that area. So mm-hmm. uh, so luckily, you know, we've been in front with that. And uh, and then uh, I went back into the office yesterday and we we brought home the photocopier with the scanner. Uh, and that's pretty much it, really. A couple of desks. Um, so yeah, no, no, nothing. It, now, nothing like it would have been two, three, four years ago, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, isn't that interesting? You know, everything mm. I actually, my whole office is sitting in a tub on my yeah. dining table at the moment and uh, mm-hmm. and that's got my auction gear, my laptop, my key safe, just yes. that's uh, exactly as you described and um, and it's kind of amazing when you whittle it all down, you wonder what you pay fifty, sixty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 a year for rent for. It is funny when you walk out that door and you turn around and lock that door and say, look, I know I'm coming back, but when when's the interesting part? Um, but uh, you look around and say, wow, what's um, – yeah. Uh, what what is this this space here? What, what what's this about? Yeah, yeah, it, it's mm. it does. It makes you question um, the, the well, it makes you question the value of it. Um, I know yeah. uh, the novelty of um, working from home. Uh, I've really enjoyed, um, or mm-hmm. d- or just going to an open space, or sitting in a park and and doing something and and that yeah. type of thing. But uh, you know, it, it, I could easily get used to this. Mm. I, I must admit, um, just even the way the whole space is flowing, it took me a couple of days because I was sort of working outside. It's glorious weather here at the moment, perfect mm. Easter camping weather. Uh, and uh, obviously we're not uh, not doing that either. <laughs> but, um, uh, but it is perfect weather to be sort of working outside and enjoying that. Um, I, I'll tell you one thing that I did think I would be doing and I'm not. I thought oh, I'll get a bit of time to do a bit of yard work, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm busy, busier. I, like I've, I've knocked out a, t- I don't have the 15 minute commute to work and back, mm-hmm. uh, so there's an extra half an hour that's uh, appeared in the day. But it, it, it has been a lot of industry briefings, a lot of webinars. Have you been mm-hmm. involved with with a lot in the outside world, Dito? Uh, not not a lot. I've I've had mm-hmm. um, a lot of people uh, reaching out to me, and um, and I, and I've spoken to a few uh, people. Uh, as well, um, 
I guess I'm talking to you now. Um, so I, I've just, you know, I, I think the information is very meta at this stage and mm. people are quite happy to make the adjustment. No one's getting cute with it. Um, everybody's just trying mm. to do 100% the right thing. Um, and mm. I think the, the government's been reasonably clear in its expectations uh, around mm-hmm. that. So um, mm. we, we just made, a, we probably heard on the side of caution um, in getting people sent home, not last Monday, yep. Monday before, um, and idea. got yep. everybody set up nice and early. So uh, I probably lost a lot of productivity in one staff member and there's a, a casual that was looking to replace him that hasn't had much to do. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, outside of that, we've all been otherwise really busy. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's um, amongst it all, like there's this uh, kind of chaos that seemingly looms sometime in the next uh, month or so that I'm still living in a bubble and not quite experiencing. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, it's – but it is making it easy to get to appointments because the roads mm-hmm. are very quiet. Uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a in, – in talking with others, um, I've had probably several – uh, I would say industry figures just reach out and uh, mm-hmm. and have a conversation, yeah. and um, and that's kind of heartening to the extent that I, what you're doing, what I'm doing, I think is being replicated across the country. Yeah, oh, very much so, and I think uh, there, uh, as an industry, you know, we're competitive, but overall, um, you know, as long as you're not a um, not an idiot, then uh, people will look after each other pretty well. Yeah. And a lot of people have worked with other people. You know, we, we're we're in competition with some of our friends that we've worked with, yeah, uh, and uh, and vice versa. So I, I think all in all, um, you know, the cannibalism hasn't started yet. No. But um, but having said that, you know, the, the things we, we're going to be tested. There's no question about that. We're in for very trying times. Yeah, and and even more so for you and for those that are unfamiliar that might listen uh, elsewhere around the world. Um, Queen Beanne is right in the heart of that was uh, that that area that was recently affected um, with the uh, bushfires and just over the the Christmas. So you're, you're more January, wasn't it? Yeah, so we got impacted. Uh, well, yeah, New Year's Eve was the uh, was the hell night for everyone on the coast. So yeah. not so much directly into Queanbeyan itself. We did get a, a fire front here, but uh, we're pretty spared by that. Um, and, and in retrospect, you know, it was it was something that got a lot of people worried, but it wasn't of any great threat. Excellent. Thankfully, thankfully, with uh, and a lot of our surrounding areas, uh, Canberra got. Uh, you know, we had. The fires on the range, which put a lot of anxiety into people, uh, this is the range that's to the east of us between Canberra and Shumut yep. and um, uh, Batlow, where she's sort of good apples come from in this part of the world. Hmm. And um, uh, so that range, that's where the t- devastating 2003 fires came down out of that range uh, with, with a westerly. And uh, so there was a lot of lot of, uh, lot of nervousness and things shut down a fair bit over that period of time. And then we got absolutely smashed by a Hailstorm, uh, a minimum. Now I, I haven't heard. I heard updated numbers, but there was a minimum of twelve and a half thousand cars were destroyed, mm. um, uh, let alone lots of other things. So um, uh, yeah, Canberra just looked like an, an absolute war zone. Mm. And uh, being in Queanbeyan, we're in New South Wales, but Canberra is right on our border. I'm only a couple hundred metres from the from the uh, border right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so we deal with two jurisdictions here for for property. Um, uh, two different acts and regulations that we have to work under, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and very different types of uh, uh, t- types of locality as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and um, and so was your market in the end too disrupted by those fires, or did things just um, you came out of that relatively unscathed? I think we came out pretty well. I've got some rural owners that uh, I was really worried about because their properties were in, in areas that were well and truly under threat, uh, and we did really well. I mean, I think we talked about the fact that Batemans Bay was where, uh, and down on the south coast, a lot of a lot of houses were lost down there. And uh, but having said that, there's a lot of holiday rentals down there as well. So uh, yeah. um, uh, where that if that number of houses was lost in most places, um, you would have seen a really sudden spike in property prices because it would have had to have been people with cash getting out and buying to yeah. have a place to live. But yeah. you know, a lot, a lot of people lost rental properties. Um, mm. And uh, at the end of the day, that you know, it'll be you know very sad for them. But um, not not downplaying that. But having said that, you know, they're an opportunity to rebuild or cash out or, you know, um, there, there, there's opportunity that's come out of that that's not been devastating. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we're in a, in a different, uh, uh, certainly a different crisis now. This, this is far more broad-reaching. And, and in crystal balling a little bit, how long do you, uh, are you planning for it to go to or, or go for, I should say, or mm. um, what kind of provisions have you got in place? Or you pretty much got a set up now where you can ride it out for as long as it takes and then, you know, yeah. obviously, as things start to improve, regroup and uh, and and push on. Uh, what, what's your thinking around it all? Look, my business strategy on this one is that um, we, we're we're in the bunker for as long as we need to be, um, and uh, we're communicating as well as we can with our owners. I'd say this last week has been quite disruptive. So uh, I am now that we've I guess fully sort of. Uh, Start, hit the groove, uh, then we're in a good chance now to start to to communicate in a better way. I'm, I'd certainly say that that's been a been a disruption for me personally, mm-hmm. um, and even you know just the anxiety with the kids and getting them set up. And, and uh, we're we're all humans in this job, and yeah. I think sometimes people forget that that uh, uh, you know we're, we've all got our families to look after as well as business and and other people's families. Yeah. Um, so look, uh, there's a number of issues that are obviously on the forefront. We, we'll be here as long as we need to be here like but we're, we're in a pretty safe um business environment in that regard mm. but um i don't think anyone should you know be cavalier about this but mm. um uh where i see you know we, we, um so new south wales has just introduced that last night that you can't evict a tenant uh, at the moment mm-hmm. um so tenants are now uh, uh that there's a lack of sort of clarity as to what that really means, but uh, essentially, we if a property is tenanted, whereas we may have been able to sell that to an owner occupier and then give the tenant the appropriate uh, thirty days notice to move out, and the and the yes. buyer could move in. Um, tenanted properties are pretty much off; uh, can only be sold to other investors at this stage. Yeah. And obviously, there's doubts about um, settlements coming up as well. Mm. So, um, uh, and I think in New Zealand, they've they've simply banned settlements at this stage. Um, uh, is what I heard uh, heard this morning. So I'm not sure that that's 100 percent accurate, and a lot of misinformation around. But but mm. I believe that's the case. Um, so, uh, but I, I, look, my personal feeling on this in regards to business is uh, clamp down quickly. Let's let's all get into isolation as much as possible. Stop the spread. Uh, slow it down. The virus only wants to move from you to somebody else. Mm. So cut that opportunity off. And uh, uh, and I think that's the fastest way for us to get back to some level of normality. But how long that will be? I don't know. Six months, eight months. What do you think? 
I, I'm quite happy for this. Uh, not happy, but I, I'm quite prepared to, to wait it out, much like your, uh, your, your own summation there. I, you know, if this is three months down the track and we're still, you know, in this uh, routine, I, it's not going to be terribly upsetting. I tend to feel like there'll be a great economic levelling. Um, so, you know, what affects you affects me, vice versa, as a trickle-down and up effect. Um, and so I, I tend to feel that the government's provisions around essentially ensuring that nobody is that much worse off or we're all mm-hmm. at least as worse off as each other um, yes. with respect to it. I, I think that's heartened me somewhat. Um, mm. that I, I think otherwise, you know, there would have been um, almost civil unrest at this stage if people didn't have some degree of assur- assurancy. So the government's move with respect to um, ensuring that people that have lost their jobs are, are, are getting paid enough to be able to pay their mortgages, I think that's a really good provision. Mm-hmm. Um the, this free rent idea, I'm not sure. I don't know to the extent or to uh, how. I think that if that's like on a, um, okay, you can't evict them, um, but if they're in delinquency of paying rent, then they'll have to make that up at some point in time, or that there'll be. I'm not. I'm not. It's really squirrely, and and these are concepts that we just wouldn't have had to have considered a month ago. Uh, so that's right. So, um, you know, I think generally speaking, there's an enormous amount of public goodwill around this. Um, people have been uh, very understanding. We're all in it together, seemingly, and yes. um, we've um, we've not had any pushback. Uh, most people have been respectful of uh, the uh, the provisions around keeping away and yep. um, social distancing. So, mm. you know, I think by and large, um, now it's... I'm now considering the the next period. So, what, one of my strategies moving forward is I'm just doing more of this. I'm doing I'm having more conversations with people, creating more social media content, um, making sure that uh, at least I, I, I'm presenting as a, a voice or, or for uh, people who might not necessarily know what's going on in our space yes. and, and and how that. Um, can really affect them. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to be that guy um, whilst mm. this is going on and whilst I don't have appointments, I'm trying to fill in that time with uh, content creation. So, And I'd, I'd say that that's a very important role to play in this situation as well in that um, you know, pro- Australians love property. Uh, we really do. Mm. Like it, it is just... Uh, it's part of our DNA. So I think some people sort of really got terrified when they saw uh, things like, you know, uh, France freezing rents a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, uh, uh, yeah you don't need to pay rent sort of scenario. But with the, uh, other economies are very different to ours, and, and even the way the housing structure is in France is entirely different uh, yeah. to, to where we are here. So um, I, my gut feeling is that is that if everything goes on ice at one end to the other, um, then yes, none of us are really going to be that much worse off. Um, sort of six to 12 months down the track. Uh, like, globally, everyone has a setback. Well, everyone has... A, every, there's a level of equality there. Mm. And I think if that's throughout most things... Having said that, history tells us that always there are people that step up, um, you know, your... your um, uh, was it Sidney Kidman? Um, uh, uh, who, uh, you know, uh, tried to drought-proof his... Um, th- throughout Australia, mm-hmm. uh, way, way back, uh, you know, 100 and whatever years ago. Forgive yes. my lack of, lack of history on this. I did read the book years ago. Mm. Um, but, you know, there are people that take opportunities and, uh, and make the most in this sort of environment, and there are people that will naturally sort of uh, just get scared and, and really not see the opportunities that are around them. So uh, I think 
you know, not to be sort of uh, to, to try and make this sound as compassionate as possible. But but if you if you if you look for the opportunities, even though they might be limited, they will be there. And mm. uh, uh, so taking a, a good positive approach, even in t- hard times. Uh, and I I am quite sanguine about the whole situation, so I'm not. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not saying I haven't had the gloomy sort of thoughts, mm. uh, but but at the same time you look around and go, yeah, change brings opportunity. It, it just is the facts. Yeah, yeah, I love that sentiment of just trying to make the the best of a bad situation. Um, mm. You know, keep busy in those moments that that perhaps because well because of the market, um, you, you're not going to be out there doing. Uh, what you'd normally do, or, or you know, even doing a letterbox drop. You know, the, the, now now that we know that this virus can last on cardboard for hours, that's not even something safe to do. Yes. So, so, um, so you know, if, if I think it presents as a great opportunity for agents that haven't already worked on a social game is to get that going, and for agents that have already got some game to step it up and um, yeah. and to uh, or to as you were saying before, do what you would have done in 1997: pick up the phone and talk to people more often, um, see yes. how they're going in this tragedy, and and uh, see what their experience of it is. They'll be really happy to talk about it. I, I think it's not the time for smugness. That's for sure. So I, every so often you'll see an element of. Nah, 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 nah. Um, mm. And it's 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 not that time. This is the time for um, hey, how are you? Is everything okay? Yeah, um, exactly. You know, and, and ultimately, as Australians, I think we do that well. I was um, uh, just having a, a bit of a Facebook conversation with somebody who was sort of saying Australians don't you know don't uh, won't won't sort of change their desire to have this the level of freedom that they've always had mm-hmm. and and I sort of disagree with that in that we will adapt and hum, humans always adapt mm-hmm. that's that that is we wouldn't be all over the planet and and uh, uh, have made the impact that we have if we didn't have the uh, remarkable ability to adapt mm-hmm. um, so I, for me in the industry I, I'm what I'm sort of pondering on a on a daily and hourly basis is how is the industry going to look next year? Mm. What, what, what have changed? What do you think, Dave? What, what do you think some of the what do you think some of the things are that we do on a regular basis today that we'll may never see again? I think that this I think that this accelerates the concept of the micro business. So, and I think it's been moving back that way for some time. So if we look at real estate historically, go back a hundred years, um, you would have been it would have been a mum and dad business working out of the main street. Mum would have probably uh, picked up the phone um, and um, and received people as they walked in the door and maybe helped with the clerical. And, and dad would have been out there talking to uh, uh, humans about real estate. And and that yeah. that slowly evolved to then you know it was the there was some growth there the sun would come on board or there was a uh, that employ a couple of extra people because they were doing quite well and for a long time and even to today the average number of real estate agents per office i think is six it's yes. five or six there's something like yeah. that and so my, my feeling is is that, that and so that that kind of model prevailed for a long time and then what had happened was sometime at about 30 or so years ago the the regional brands started to expand and franchised and yes. and and in that spread what was sold to franchise uh, th- those people that want to franchise at that time was the potential to tap into a network a referral network uh, yes. of people that were interstate maybe even overseas and so that was mm-hmm. the big lure for a lot of people also 
because it became uncool in the 80s to be a small business. Everybody wanted to be a big corporate, you know, the Coca-Colas, the, you know, the Pepsis, the, the, all of yeah. that. It was all about the big flashy brands. And, you know, mum and dad real estate in the main street of the town they'd been in for 32 years wasn't necessarily the coolest thing in town. Um, mm-hmm. But you had these uh, new flashy brands start to emerge. You know, LJ Hooker seemed to be the first to really roll out. And then the Ray yes. Whites weren't too far behind before overtaking. And, and then, you know, um, hard courts um, uh, started to emerge. And there seems to be the, and, and amongst that also, you know, uh, strong regional brands started to uh, pervade. Yes, and so, much so yeah. it, that seemed to be the trend. And, and I know from our perspective, when we 15 or so years ago decided to open up a business, we, we our, our default was to go with a franchise group. And the only one that was available at that time, because all the others were taken up, was Remax. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but we, we were, so, we would, we'd never have considered going independent. Now, what mm-hmm. I think happened, you know, and the big thing that happened in the last 15 years has been, um, a, a twofold. One, agents in Australia are particularly good at uh, marketing property and marketing themselves. You know, I think yes. you know, we, we, we are all... Better than most places in the world, I would say. Absolutely. Like the in base my look... experience when I've travelled, I've seen what, what other, other people have done and most of it is very ordinary compared to the quality that Australians do do. Yeah, we, we spend, I think, the most per... Uh, per listing on marketing in the world as well. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised at all, yeah. Yeah, and so so what, what started happening was the, these franchise groups, in order to grow and to put a, a door on every corner, because that was their strategy, they want office growth, that's how a franchise, and also franchises get paid off the top, so they don't care whether or not the agency's actually profitable, because they're getting paid off the turnover, not off the profit. And so they, the, the, the big push for growth then started to come in at the expense of the, some of these businesses that still naturally couldn't grow to much more than four or five because they're apportioned franchise areas that only really supported an office of four to five people. Mm. But in order to come up with that extra 10% or whatever in franchise fee, so... And then what happened was marketing. So the franchise groups um, were lent on heavily by the big media uh, empires to say, hey, you know, if you want your brand to look the best, then you've got to be at the top or you've got to have the biggest ad in the paper or you've got to have the, uh, the, the, the premier listing in the, uh, on the internet. You've got to be, you, this is where you've got to prevail. So it all started with the paper. You know, you've got to have the biggest and best ad. And the, and the agency that had the most pages of property in the paper won. Remember that? Good old-fashioned good old column building. Column uh, building, yeah. yes. The, the longer the column, the, the, the obviously... The uh, the better the agency, so to the, speak. The better the, the agency, columns. because the and 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 how that was sold to the to so the, the what had happened there essentially was you know the the big media giants uh, have a chat to the to the franchise group. Here's a great way to build your brand, and it won't cost you a cent. Then the franchise group say to the principals, "Here's a great way to build your brand. It won't cost you a cent." Then they go to the agents and say, "Hey, uh, this isn't going to cost you a cent." And at the end of the day, it's the vendor paying for it. But uh, I know when I started, there was credit debit advertising, and I would be paying for the marketing until it sold yes. so this had yeah. a trickle down effect that only benefited the brand in the end because the brand was and, and the franchise network so all the brands were the same were indoctrinating people to say the more ads in the paper the more successful you look the more phone calls you get the more people you have at your open inspections the more the more the more the better you are now that, that proved to be a fallacy. That all just fell in a heap. But one thing that did come up as a result of that, the trickle-down effect of the, the personal brand was such that what had happened 15 years ago that hadn't really happened before is agents had their name on signs. Agents themselves started to become the funnel, not the 
agency, not the business. And so then what emerged, of course, was the internet. And now we've got social media. And I think in, in that realm where you go from, okay, now you've got agents that are able to build personal brands in ways that franchise groups don't. Notice how none of the franchise groups really have a game when it comes to social media. They don't know how to deal with it because no, they, exactly right. they just... It's personal. It's personal. It's like even if an office has a someone who does their social media, mm. it's crap. Oh, it's, it's crap. crap. Well, we shut yeah. down our office page just because there's no love in it. There's no personality. Nobody yeah. really – you know, it's uh, hardly any engagement. It's just us posting. So uh, at yeah. the end of the day, people only want – and only want to engage uh, – they want to engage with the person. They're ultimately listening mm. with the person. And so now what we've found is that technology is now enabling the rise of micro-businesses now that you've got an office or everything that an office would have done for you in 1997 in your pocket. You know, and more, and more, by the way. And by the way, you can do uh, all of your property marketing. You can do your video shoot. You can do, I mean, you can do so much. Maybe you won't use your phone for all of it and you'll, you'll stump up and get a little bit more. But if you had to, you could. And, Absolutely. and so when you've got all of the resources that you would have paid half your income or more uh, to your principal for, to, uh, and now you've got that in your pocket and it costs you 70 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month, that's the paradigm shift. And, and so the rise of the micro-business, uh, yeah, it, it comes forward. This, now, for those people that were just hanging on to the idea of, hey, I'm going to give my principal half my money to turn up to work and do this, I think there's now a lot of those people that are going, hey, what? What was that for again? You know, I actually spend 65 75% of my time out of the office, and when I don't have the office, I have to go to the office. I actually like doing more work from home, seeing my kids, picking them up from school, doing whatever. Um, I can take my kids well, to... Karate now. flexibility that we originally came into real estate for. If you look at the, where, why most people are in real estate, uh, flexibility is, is one of the key components, and yet it's often one of the things that disappears straight away. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, exactly right, because you've got the clamour for more. The more, the more, the more. And, um, and unfortunately, you know, within that... So I, I really see... Um, so where do I see this going? I, I think it... It makes it obvious now to everybody that the, 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 the paradigm shift actually occurred in real estate maybe 36, 48 months ago and no one noticed. Yeah, yep. And uh, what's emerged now um, brings it sharply into context mm. and, uh, and those, that, um, those that are ready to harness it and uh, will do extremely well for themselves. You know, I think they'll find it very, very liberating. I I would say that's where the major, like if you look at the disruptors, and I'll use that in inverted commas, uh, such as Purple Bricks, which had their sort of uh, day in the sun here and then disappeared pretty quickly. Uh, Now, not to sort of denigrate their their process or anything like that, um, you know, they had a a plan, it didn't work. Um, But that was really of only a concern to the major networks because essentially the people that are selling real estate have the option to hang the shingle out themselves uh, through to hook into someone's brand some way, somehow, uh, all the way through to, yes, I'm going to work work it and be part of a particular empire in one way or another. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but there's no one way that works. It'll, it works individually for each individual person, but um, uh, the disruptors were really disrupting that network uh, process as well, and there's been you know, hundreds of them come along and go, and, mm. and all, all sorts of discount models where you know flat fee sort of models and things like that. But if you look at the bulk of them, and even the ones that are trying to disrupt the agent themselves and sort of selling directly to the owner, 
So uh, you know, your for sale by owner will will uh, cut out the fee that you pay up front and give us the marketing cost, and we'll skim that off. Um, they're the ones that are, um, I think, at great peril out of this process as mm. well, yeah. uh, because you just you, you look around and say, "But what do I actually need that for?" Yeah. What, what do I need a, a brand? Now, it's one thing to say maybe we don't need a brand that everybody is familiar with in one way or another. Oh, yeah. Certainly another to say we don't need a brand. That oh, the, knows. no, no, no. That, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When I was talking brand before, I certainly uh, was. Yeah, not referring to. The personal because I think the personal brand is really king, you know, and, and, oh, and personal brand is critical. And, and 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 ultimately, when you look at agents that sort of uh, move from one brand to another, um, and you know, it, it's it's pretty effortless nowadays, isn't it? Like mm. it's it's more that people are, are together because as as humans, we often like to have company, yeah, um, and we like to be around like minded people. And uh, if we all sort of feel like we're playing on the same team, is what we cheer for. Or, uh, football or whatever the case may be, yeah. um, you know, we, we feel like we're part of that uh, uh, that team that, that people like. And I think that's one thing that sort of uh, maybe still keeps those um, – uh, it sort of cuts out that I'm going to work by myself process because mm. people seem to get sick of that relatively, relatively quickly. But when you come back to that mum and dad office that you talked about of – uh, two, three, four people working together that are, you know, pretty much mates and pretty much we have fun. I know this has been uh, been pretty familiar down your part of the world, Dave. Yeah. Um, you know, and and likewise, I'm I'm best mates with my manager from real estate from 25 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and you know, but we we worked hard, we played hard, we had a lot of fun, and and we were part of our own little little tribe there. We were we were doing it our way. Mm. Um, and. Yeah, you know, ultimately, that's not something you can just roll out and replicate. That's the thing. It's a, it's the individual person, isn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and you might be right, you know, at different points in time, uh, you need different levels of support. But I think, you know, in that way that you might have had that in a physical sense, you know, I've, I've been heartened by the amount of conversations I've had uh, this week has been driving around, you know, people I, have, I perhaps haven't spoken to in the last month or so, just reaching out and, you know, yeah. saying, hey, how are you going? How are you finding it? What's happening in your part of the world? Um, obviously, everybody's looking to put, get a sense as to what's happening and are uh, putting their radar up for it. But, you know, all of those reasons why you might have um, been in an office of 10 to 12 people, you know, 10 years ago, um, you, you kind of find now, you know, you find that in the conversations you have in between appointments or, um, or in listening to a podcast even, you know. it's um, You find that uh, camaraderie in other ways, don't you? Yeah, I, I think I'm even – like I was in an office at one stage. I think we had 16 people in that office. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started, at the end of the year, we still had 16 people. We just 14 of them were different. Yeah. Um, so it's that real churn and burn, you know. I, I think I'll tell you, two, two went off in bracelets that year. <laughs> um, where, where, where the popo came and took them away. Wow. Um, so uh, yeah, you know that, that that was back in the wild days of just employ everyone. Uh, something you said earlier that reminded me as well. I, I'll never forget our our manager at that stage, or the the owner of the company that I worked for, was a small sort of regional area here um, that ripped off a red, white, and blue um, international sort of. Uh, uh, yeah, company brand style, so it feels rather familiar for me now, Dave. Yeah. But, um, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget the sales meeting that they said, which was, hey, guys, great news, we're going to sell more properties. Oh, diggity-doo, this sounds good. Great news, 
the Canberra Times is now launching in colour. So we're going to sell more property because we're going to look better than everybody else. Uh-huh. And, and the obvious question just popped into my mind, hmm. well, isn't everybody else going to get the colour as well? No, no, <laughs> we're getting it, but we've got to be on the first – they're only doing the first four pages or six pages or whatever it was, <laughs> yeah. and we're going to have all of those pages and no one else will get the colour and we'll sell more houses. <laughs> I don't know about you, Dave, but I haven't sold many houses just because they're in colour. <laughs> um, um, okay. This has been the rationale that's uh, that's governed marketing in, in real estate, and, and it's, why, it's why we, we spend more as an industry on marketing than any other as well. Yes. You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a whole lot of... Uh, um, well, essentially, most real estate agents are lay people. You know, they're, they're not marketing minds or gurus no, or anything right. like yeah. that. They're people people who find them... They don't them... like writing ads. They, yeah. they, don't like, they don't like doing those things. I mean, we used to recycle the same ad week after week after week. Three-bedroom uh, immaculate home. Yeah. <laughs> Set a quiet location. location. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had them as well. Oh, well. Wow. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> so, what are the odds? Um yeah, and that would just literally roll out because – and the other thing that adds were 35 words, 40 words. Yes. You know? So uh, we, we had a character limit. We, we were the early Twitter days, mate. Yes, um, yeah. So we, we, had a, we had a tight character limit. And, and no uh, photo. Not much, not much you can say. But what it did do was – see, we had a lot of stock at that stage as well. So what it meant was that ad could have been for seven different houses when people rang in. So mm. you then said to them, hey, look – Oh, that one's still available, but tell me what you're after. Okay, look, I've got three more that are going to suit you as well. Yeah. Uh, how about we go out and we'll look at four or five uh, properties in the day and, uh, you know. Make it um, Yeah, as you said, hopefully they they uh, they see enough with you to make a decision and, and, and that's the way that it was. And, and fundamentally what you're doing the whole time is rapport building, you're becoming familiar with their situation, becoming trusted mm. by them, you know, that, yeah. that high degree of frequency and contact time over the course of that day. You know, unless, unless, you're, unless you're an asshole, those people are probably going to like you and, uh, and so at the end of the day you've kind of, you're friendly, they're a bit more relaxed, you're showing them your best listing at the end, knowing it's the one they'll probably go for and then, you know, and a lot of times they would go for it. Absolutely. Do you know, I am, I'm looking at my letterbox as I'm sitting out the bunk here, mate, and I, I've lived in this house now for uh, oh, 13 years, 14 mm. years or so, and, and in that letterbox every couple of weeks, maybe at least 12 times a year, uh, will turn up a letter that says, hey, I'm your area expert. I'm your area expert. <laughs> I've worked in real estate here for 25 years. I've never heard your name. <laughs> so, so, but so, he was on uh, RP Data earlier on in the day, and yeah. uh, and he, he got a printout of all of the houses that sold there in the last 12 months. He, he, yeah. he, he's the expert now. Uh, yeah, and, and I don't think you should even kid yourself that he's looked that much, mate. Um, <laughs> I, I think what's happened is uh, he's gone back into his uh, to his office where he's just started and they've said, here's your letter, here's what it looks like, you put your name on this, out you go, and then people are going to call you in to, uh, and you're going to advise them on their most valuable asset as to what they should do with it. <laughs> so, Put uh, your photo you know, here. No, no wonder the world is cynical about real estate agents, seriously. Yeah. But what, what this does do, and, and yes, this does give us the opportunity to get back and actually talk with people, uh, and people will pretty quickly know whether you're, you're full of it or not um, and, and have that opportunity to, to share some experience and say, look, 
And I think it's just as important at the moment is it's not a one-size-fits-all. Not everybody should be on the market, but the people that should be on the market, they're going to need help to get sold quickly. Mm. They're going to need solid advice. They're going to need some experience. Mm. So, And the buyers that are buying need to know that, hey, look, you know, I, I sell a lot of properties here in town that are, say, 25, 35, 45 years old. Um, and you say, look, can you imagine just jumping in a time machine going back 40 years ago? You would have paid $16,000 for this property that's currently $230,000. And in that time, it's been through you know, possibly the end of the Vietnam War, uh, the global financial crisis, the um, uh, the 2008, uh, sorry, the, the uh, what was it, 97 stock market, 87 stock market crash, yeah. um, the millennium bug, the, 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 you know, like all, all of those yeah. things that have occurred in that period of time. Uh, and property itself is a sound investment for most Australians, but they've got to buy long-term. They've got to think long-term. So... Um, this process of saying, well, I'm going to buy something today because it could go up tomorrow, I think that's half the reason we're in this trouble. Mm. Um, and uh, But if you're thinking, look, I'm going to make a solid investment decision, I'm going to buy something today, yeah, it might be cheaper in five months' time, but in three years' time it won't be cheaper. So, mm. you know, like if I'm going to be Nostradamus and pick the bottom of the market, uh, yeah, good for you, but I don't know about you, Dave, I've bought a fair bit of property over the years and I've won some and I've lost some. Mm. So, but, but the ones I haven't lost on have been the ones that I've owned for a, a, you know, good period of time. Yeah. Um, so people who are trying to sort of uh, short the market or get in and, and sort of play some fancy games, I, uh, you know, I don't know that that's going to be um, uh, overly practical in the in the short term. And people who sort of bought with the view of you know selling off the plan in Canberra uh, when they when they sort of bought it three months ago, they might might be uh, a little uncomfortable for a little while. But mm. if you turn around and think long term, people need places to live. People love property in Australia. And uh, the banks love it. The government loves it. Uh, so you know, it, it's it's not going. Uh, it, it's a solid and good decision. Mm. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean it's always smooth sailing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, like you say, set up for the long term, and you'll be okay. Now, are there any rumblings on stamp duty in your area, Dave? So there's always rumblings. We, we've got the highest stamp duty regime in the country in South Australia, and uh, so, and we've just had an increase in the land tax um, as well. So, uh, which is like a poll tax um, that uh, commercial or, or yep. uh, landlords pay, and um, so and that's all being rec- that'll probably be put off now. I'd say I don't think they'll mm. do any massive. The Value Generals Department was going to make some recalculations around the CVs of some of these properties that. Mm-hmm. Probably should have higher CVs than what they do, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that would have just um, uh, been even more detrimental than the uncertainty of last year around that um, mm. particular subject. But um, stamp duty concession hasn't been talked about, but I would imagine that at some point that would be something that would be applied mostly to construction um, mm-hmm. and with additional bonuses there because that's a good way of getting people into jobs. Um, they've been... Uh, our government's been very hesitant to establish uh, to um, get behind established real estate over the years. Yeah. Uh, governments of both sides, um, so I, I think that they will put an emphasis. We've also had a disproportionate amount of builders go broke in South Australia over the last 12 or 18 months. And so yep. um, there's a ton of those. Of course, the builders might have gone broke, but all their contractors are still out there. And so, yes. um, and uh, and those people that were working, I, I know a lot of people in construction were stood down on Friday. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I think they'll probably throw money at new builds um, and uh, get that going before they... Um, give any concession on the stamp duty for for, um, for established real estate. Yeah, 
Um, they yeah, have, I, have reduced stamp duty on commercial, though. So if my memory serves me well, I think uh, when they brought in the GST, they, they were going to eliminate stamp duty. Now, they and they are not the same they. I completely understand that. So yes. they being federal government and they being state, state government, government. Did, yes. didn't... State government said, "Actually, you know what? We might just keep this. Um, uh, yeah. We'll give some. We'll, we'll give some uh, smatterings of gold to select parts of the market, but uh, overall, we'll keep the coin rolling in." Yeah. Uh, my, my gut feeling is, and particularly here in New South Wales, uh, I mean, Canberra is the tax burden is horrendous, hmm. um, and in New South Wales, it, it's, uh, it's it's only slightly better. But um, I do believe my gut feeling is that we'll see stamp duty concessions, if not eliminated, right across the board. Wow, um, relatively that's bold. And, well, it is bold, but he, here's my thinking behind it. Um, uh, overall, we're seeing a lot of job losses. The, so this is affecting the whole market. And, yes, you're going to see need to see um, uh, construction, but uh, you're also going to need to see people that – uh, can buy in at a at a lower amount. Mm. So the fastest way to stimulate the established market um, is going to be obviously via stamp duty concessions. And I, I think that's – I haven't heard any other sort of rumblings on it myself in any way, shape or form. I haven't heard people talking about it. I've got no inside knowledge on it and mm. I probably uh, may, may well prove to be wrong. But, geez, I just won't be surprised if – if this is what it took to get rid of that horrendous tax, mm. um, because it is a shocking tax for, you know, and I often think uh, the tax runs roughly at the same amount that we get paid. So if we sell a, a $400,000 property, you know, 12 goes to the government, 12 goes to us. Yeah. Um, and uh, the government really didn't have to do a lot in that process, whereas yeah. we worked our guts out. Yes. And we, get, we, we send out some GST um, uh, as well and, you know, pay a bit here and pay a bit there and we get left with uh, not a lot at the end of it by the, by the time it's all done. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I think it's time for the governments to, to uh, certainly uh, reconsider their, their approach on stamp duty uh, and, and uh, you know, find, find a better way to, to tax. Yeah, um, well, certainly a more efficient uh, taxing regime would be appropriate, but I don't know if there's an appetite for structural reform right now. Um, I think they're barely I, keeping keeping the doors I, open. It'd be nice to I, see... I, I, I agree entirely with what you're saying there, but I think given three to six months' time, if it starts to lag on and we don't start to see anything, they're going to need to add some fuel to the fire. And to me, that's the best fuel they can put on is to say, right, let's just get rid of stamp duty um, or we'll halve it or we'll... we'll. Now, I know, I'm not saying get rid of it for everybody because, unfortunately, even in the... In the where, how it affects negatively in our area is you buy a property off land... Um, or a new construction, don't pay stamp duty on it, mm. and then uh, you go to put that back on the market, and you've got to sell at a substantial discount to compete against the new property uh, that was still being built. Yes, um, and there are people that are, you know, genuinely. I'm not talking about people who are trying to turn a dollar out of it instantly because mm. I don't have a lot of lot of sympathy in that area. But I'm talking about the people that, you know, young people buy their first unit and move into it, and then realise that. You know, 60 square metres for two of them is, is, a, is a bit short and they're ready to sort of take their next step and then find that they're already set back at that stage because they're now competing. Yes, they didn't pay stamp duty, but they also um, don't have uh, the, um, uh, the the equity equity mm. that, you know, across the board. If everyone's yeah. paying it, that's great. If no one's paying it, that's great. Yes. When it's, uh, I think it just needs to be uh, a level of consistency there that said, well, let's let's halve it and stop favouring one one area or another because as soon as you favour one, you're dis, 
proportionately affect another. That, that's, that's my beef with, uh, with stamp duty. Uh, yeah, I, I would have thought, my, my thinking on that was uh, just a, a little different in that if there, because uh, we're still experiencing quite high demand and I think in most capital cities that demand is uh, has been high and has mm-hmm. certainly picked up over the last, say, three to six months. And I, I think it's quite natural to expect a, a hiccup in demand over the next couple of months. That's just, it, it might obviously go longer than that, but it, it wouldn't be regular like we do have like Christmas periods and quiet times in the some some markets are quite seasonal because of weather or whatever so the so I think like we we can kind of withstand a couple of unseasonal um, adjustments in the in the marketplace Um, and I, I figure if the rest of the economy picks up in that 60 to 90 day period then the demand will return really quickly and maybe even more so as people more highly prize the value of having their own home in times of tragedy and uh, we know there's always a run to the certain and there's nothing more certain than bricks and mortar so my feeling was that 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 would kind of correct itself within a a reasonable period of time but with Mm. construction incentives uh, generally job creators and and that's why i thought they might lean into that first and then maybe you know look at uh, other incentives around property purchasing but um it's a it's a Look, I I think the government, with the exception of schools, has probably done a a pretty reasonable job, and and I'm happy to be wrong on the schools issue as well. But it wasn't my instinct, and seemingly no, uh, the, the uh, testing the temperature of people um, mm. nearby. I don't know anybody who thought it was a good idea up uh, over the last week or so. But no. um, I, I think that um, with with that exception, otherwise the government's done a pretty reasonable job of um, allaying people's immediate fears and. Concerns, uh, putting people's mind at ease, at least that there's going to be provision or at least a will on behalf of the government to meet the requirements of, of people in the short term and yes. and and open enough to revise that if need be and, and further extend the courtesy if the uh, pandemic uh, gets deeper. So I think that's all really heartening and I, and I think that also the states and the and the federal government being to, uh, together on this is also really helpful and maybe it'll lead to a stronger federation and maybe that's what stopped uh, that goodwill within the federation over um, well almost since federation is what's not led to that large-scale tax reform and those fundamental changes that we need to become a, 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 a more viable in in the new in the new uh, era change is certain Absolutely what is, the, mate. What the change will be, that we've got no idea about. <laughs> <laughs> and so we adjust and we bunker down and we grab the, the, the 10 things we need most from the office and we go and, uh, and uh, try and stay away from the world for a little while and try and keep, the, keep everything going at the same time, which, um, mate, uh, it seems like you're doing beautifully. And, and look, if people want to reach out, uh, how can they get in contact with you? Um, anybody who's thinking about buying in and around Canberra, Queanbeyan, that type of part of the world, uh, what do they need to do? Where can they get you? Yeah, look, John at remaxcapital.com.au via emails, probably the most effective way. Um, mobile number 0429843777 or hit me up on the socials, John Buckley Real Estate. Um, you, uh, hopefully not too hard to find, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, and look, I'd encourage everyone to use this as an opportunity to, to reflect what their real goals are in life and what's important to them and uh, to take this as a time to say, uh, let's think about how we uh, look after the planet, how we look after our friends and our family 
and um, what 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 security we want for the future for us personally. So uh, I, I I leave you with a non real estate thought, but you know we're all people. Extremely philosophical of you. Thank you very much again, John. I appreciate your input and thoughts, and we we'll look forward to catching up again soon. Anytime, Dave. Thank you, and best wishes to everyone. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. The Property Pulse podcast is designed for anybody who's dealing in real estate, whether you're buying or selling, expanding upon your portfolio, or perhaps you're a real estate agent and you're just looking for helpful hints and tips that'll accelerate your success in real estate. Well, I hope you found a home on the podcast. And if you have, please subscribe to stay tuned to all new episodes as they become available. 